0: Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder.
1: Hey guys, today on the show, I have Spencer Hilagos. He's a full-time real estate investor and former technology leader of 13 years. He helps people uh, passively invest and deploy capital into storage and multifamily syndications with vetted sponsors and vetted deals. He is the co founder of Madison Investing, which has done uh, millions and millions of dollars of, of uh, transactions and, and syndications and so forth. And without further ado, Spencer, welcome.
0: How are you? Doing great, Devin. Really excited to be here. I mean, I shared this with you before uh, we got on here, but I've been listening to you for, for quite some time. So it's a pleasure to actually be on here.
1: Yeah, I was going to tell you the same thing. I see online and, and you know, out there p- producing great content. And then uh, it's pretty cool to be able to connect this way and then be able to kind of share that with with other folks that want to listen and learn. So I uh, love it. Thanks for making some time. Totally. I, I always like to kind of dive in with folks. I guess first, before we get started, Spencer, a little bit of background, you know, where are you, where are you based out of uh, today?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I am in the Bay Area, California, you know, so Silicon Valley as most folks might know it. Gotcha. Yeah. I grew up uh, here, but also lived in Colorado for a really long stretch, but in the Bay right now.
1: Okay. Gotcha. I like to kind of mention that up front. Sometimes people are local to a guest's area and there's, there's meetups and different ways to connect. So out in the Bay Area, excellent, excellent, beautiful uh, part of the country. I haven't been out to San Francisco myself in a while, but I love it out there. Um, So, Your journey into real estate, I always like to understand where the uh, kind of pivot point is for people. Was it a book, a mentor, you know, a terrible experience that that made you say, I have to leave this corporate world? What what did that look like for you? What was your introduction?
0: You know, my introduction to it was pretty unique according to what uh, other folks in the business tell me now, Devin. And I was, at first I was very gun shy to share kind of the full picture of it because I grew up in a real estate household.
1: You ah, know, and sure. and
0: who, wants, who wants to go around and say, you know, my first introduction to real estate was via my dad? Right. So I grew up uh, with my first exposure to real estate at the ripe old age of six. So I don't think that necessarily counts as, as meaningful <laughs> involvement in deals, but um, I cherish that experience because, you know, flash forward to now, I'm deeply involved, actively involved in transactions and commercial real estate. But between there, there are was, was some really interesting steps that happen, some, some very challenging steps that happen as well, Devin. And, you know, I just want to highlight this because it, it informs the way that we conduct our deals now, the mm-hmm. way that we work with our investors now, um, and the way that we try to operate based on, you know, a set of principles and values uh, these days. And so I'll share this briefly. Um, you know, I, I watched my dad grow his brokerage business. He was one of the top residential brokers in the country back in the 90s, and, and I was doing open houses for him as a teenager. Right? And I, right. I, I mean, I hated it. <laughs> I think that, I think most, most people, you know, whenever they're given work like that from their parents, they, they're like, Oh gosh, I have to do this again. Huh? <laughs> um, but it, it really, it scared me uh, away from real estate for quite a while um, as in, you know, 13 years. So I, I went into the local business right after school, which is tech companies. Yeah. Um, I, and I ended up there across five software companies. A couple of them, uh, a few of them were unicorns, you know, valued over a billion bucks. And that was a wonderful experience, gruelingly challenging, just like brutally, you know, all those those stories you hear about um, tech companies having 80 to 100 hour work weeks. I went through all that stuff. Sure. Um, And and it was it was educational uh, and particularly because I was in leadership roles doing a lot of hiring, scaling and stuff and operations and sales. So I did all that. And eventually I got into a company called Lending Home, which is now the biggest uh, fix and flip lender in the country. And they were doing maybe 150 loans per month when I got there. Uh, When I left as the guy in charge of loan origination, uh, I I think we were doing about 600 deals a month, individual transactions a month, um, all single family flips, you know, so quite a bit smaller than the multifamily stuff that you and I focus on these days. But um, that was incredibly uh, educational for me and eye opening for me because I was sitting there looking at the dollar signs behind these deals and I was sitting there going, well, geez, I mean, I'm I'm on the Silicon Valley wealth plan that most people are using, whether it's explicitly stated or not, which means Maybe I'll get lucky with one of these companies that I joined early, get some equity and they'll turn into the next Facebook or Google. Sure. And lo and behold, those numbers are not in people's favor for how often that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I have a couple of young kids of my own. Um, and at the time when I was evaluating these different strategies, I looked at multifamily. I got the bug. All my coworkers wanted me to be a flipper. I had, I can barely swing a hammer. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just didn't see that working from a strategy perspective also because I live in the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, mm-hmm. you know, for cash flow investors, I mean, you are not going to find great cash flow as as you and I will probably define that, Devin. I mean, I'm talking about my first acquisition in rental in Cali was a $430,000 duplex that cash flow is $200 a month. That's not a good cash right. on cash return. It is there um, probably. But the fact that cash flows at all. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. <laughs> But so, yeah,
1: nationwide or as cash flow real estate goes, yeah, not great. Not totally. Great. And
0: so, you know, the last point on this I would just make is that we went through that very logical path of like, okay, eyes open to real estate. And then, wow, flipping, not a good fit. I didn't want that Robert Kiyosaki style um, bucket moment where you kind of go and do that, you know, the wholesaler, one moment income, the flipper, one moment income, the broker, one moment income. I wanted a pipeline. Right. And I saw multi multifamily doing that, uh, but I was also told by a mentor that, I lived in a money state, quote unquote, not a deal state, and I, I was tr- I was about to go down the path full bore of becoming a a, a lead operator, a sponsor, and so right. I, ultimately what I ended up doing instead was we invested as LPs first, uh, right. and just put our own money in deals, and then we realized, wait a sec, like everyone in our network is asking us about where are you guys putting your money. And out, right out of that, we, we realized, oh, there's a, probably a business here. So now we, we became truly, um, and I work with my, my, my co-founder, who's also my wife, by the way. And, and so when I say we, it's not the royal we. Um, we now have an, an excellent co-sponsor business where we're able to add value, not just with equity capital to these transactions and working with a, a very limited set of partners in storage, multifamily, but we can also bring some expertise to the table when it comes to operations, like non real estate operations, communication, infrastructure, all that good stuff. So it's been it's been quite a ride. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for sharing with the long form explanation. No, I love it. I love it. Thank you.
1: Um, that's a that's a great story. A couple of things jumped out at me. You know, one is uh, when you were younger kind of hating it because you're, you're doing the work, right? Doing the work for your dad. I'm kind of cognizant of that with my kids. I'm trying to get them hooked on the paycheck or the cash flow rather. Yeah. So I've got a couple rentals for them and they get some income and that's kind of their first exposure. What is real estate? Well, I get a check every month. I'm like, okay, trying to plant the seed there. The work will come. I actually had my 11 year old tell me yesterday at dinner. He's like, dad, I want to start doing some work on these things because I'm just getting the check. Oh, and cool. Like, hmm, well, Okay, I think phase one is complete. They're hooked on real estate. Let's see if I can and bring them up through it. But um, I'm I'm trying not to throw them into plumbing and uh, you know dispute resolution as as kids or, or too much work. I'm trying to get them hooked on the cash flow piece, um, which is which is interesting. So I, I appreciate your your feedback. You know, you mentioned not being great at swinging a hammer too. I think that could be a benefit for some people. You know, if you because I got stuck for years kind of on this fix and flip route. That looking back, I probably could have bypassed, you know, and, and I think, you know, you're able to make the transition to the, to the bigger stuff. Was there a, you know, a mentor or did, did you hire a mentor? Was there a group that you joined to kind of accelerate that so that you didn't waste a lot of time swinging a hammer or trying to find stuff in California to, to flip or what did that look like for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, really great question to hang on. And by the way, man, if I get to the point with my boys that I'm able to get, involve them in rentals in any way, shape, or form, I'm gonna chalk that up as a win, Devon. I mean, I think <laughs> that that is, that's awesome. So <laughs> kudos we'll see. to you. Time will tell, yeah. yeah ben, that's right, yeah, I, I would love to be able to do that when our boys get old enough. Um, so, you know, I was already in this company called Lending Home, biggest fix and flip lender in the country, and I was surrounded every day by these, these, de- these deals, and I saw the sure. economics of the transactions, but um, I, I did have multiple different stakeholders inside that company who already were building their own flip businesses. So I had them in my ear. But then I went out and I was like, okay, hey, I, I just need more counsel. Like I, I need um, experienced players that are going to help me with this stuff. And so I have gone through now at this stage uh four separate paid uh group format coaching programs. I haven't I haven't invested in like a uh you know a, a bigger ticket um you know private coach a one-on-one coach like that. But one of the blessings of uh, being in a corporate career like like a corporate leadership track and people don't really talk about this very often on the real estate podcast circuit because you know i know that it tends to get a bad rap you know like kind of like you know um ripping on the w2 world and, sure. and i gotta say that wasn't my experience um I, I had a positive experience there was gruelingly hard times of course but i i look back at the mentorship there too because that was also part of the decision making for me as you know it's a you got to surround yourself, I think, with, with people from different sides uh, of the world and the industry and, and, and in society, you know? And, right. and because then they, they can help you land on what you believe to be the best plan for yourself. So I did have, um, at the time, I think when I made that, uh, that decision to go full bore into co-sponsorship, um, I had already been using like two separate coaching programs. The first thing I did was underwriting. Just, I had done the underwriting stuff in terms of residential really extensively. Right, uh, And I was like, I, I believe in that narrative of competence leads to confidence, as corny as that might sound. Um, right. and, and so I, I wanted to just go deep on that. And, and so I went there first. And, and from there, I just peeled off these different layers of, okay, well, what next? You know, Like how do I then look at deal structures? And then how do I look at all these other aspects of due diligence and, and, and just went from there. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, W2 is a huge bucket,
1: right? I mean, there's terrible W-2 jobs. There's excellent W-2 jobs. I mean, there's clearly some inherent limitations in trading time for money. But, um, you know, looking back on my corporate career, I wish I would have had a little more focus on the relationships and the people that I was around every day, rather, rather than just kind of being selfishly focused on my next career move or whatever. There's a lot of great, if you're in a large organization or a big successful company, uh, there's there's some great people that you have the opportunity to network with. So it sounds like you you, you know you're able to take advantage of that, which is which is great. It's not all bad. That's um, not sure. all bad. I wanted you you mentioned something about kind of adding value from a technology systems side. I would love. I'm I'm a systems technology guy myself. I kind of spend a lot of time uh, fine tuning those kind of systems. I enjoy that. I would love to hear what you guys are doing today for your current kind of private equity business from a, you know, from a systems and process standpoint, if there's anything that, you know, you feel you guys have done well or that adds value for your investors on on that side. I love digging into that stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, and and I also want to be respectful of my, um, my software developer side out there because I don't come from the technical side. There's this two camps in the software world. You got the, those darn business people and then you got the product people. Right. Um, so, I mean, I haven't written a line of code since AP computer science in high school, guys. So, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the, the business side. So what that means for our business here is, technical isn't that technical in that context. All that I'm talking sure. about that is highly valuable to our investors, as well as the, the partners, you know the sponsors, because I join them in the GP in our deals right. um, it 's not, it's not like in a purely passive capacity most times, and so what that means is uh, i 'm regularly hearing from both our investors as well as our sponsor partners that we write the, the best emails that they 've seen, and the sequencing and structuring and cadence of those is incredibly helpful um, because it 's interesting to, just to take a very relatable example out there devin like um, you know, when you're sending out monthly updates, maybe you do monthly, maybe you do quarterly. I, I, I typically prefer monthly. Uh, to sure. every, uh, More frequent is always better. Um, a lot of times people think that like the absolute maximum amount of information packed into an email is ideal. Um, right. I mean, if you look at the open rates, I mean, this is just inside of our own business. Every person is going to be different. Every audience is going to be different. I'd say less than 10% of our LPs that get our monthly updates, actually open and look at the Excel spreadsheets that have a detailed P and (laughs) L. So, you know, you just have to think about structuring, messaging, sequencing of the comms, and also, uh, you know, investing further into investor portals that are actually able to be um, useful across many different deals, because as you work with some of these, some of these passive investors that are out there, and of course, I'm sure you have a a savvy audience, Devin, um, it, it, when I say LP, guys, I'm talking about limited partners or passive investors in these deals. So what I'm referring to is if you've got a person who's done you know, six plus deals with us and we have some investors that fit that bucket, they, they want to see all their deals in one place, right. even if they're investing with us and along with six different asset management teams. And so that's the kind of stuff that we've invested in further is that they can get access to take a look at all of those across all their deals um, in one place, be able to see the updates you know and in um, some good detail so it's it's not rocket science i don't claim for it to be something like a custom crm or anything but it's we we take more time and we try to be thoughtful and strategic about it
1: yeah that's hugely important you know as an lp myself i kind of struggle with what was the login for this deal that i'm in you know it might have been a, a 50k lp investment two years ago and i you know i'm pro- i might be one of those guys that's not reading the report if the distributions are coming out and so you kind of have all these disparate systems to, to log into so I imagine that's a good value and create some stickiness for your investors to say let's just do another deal with Spencer you know it's all here there's three in there he's got another offering let's tag in the fourth one it's gonna be in one place we know what to expect in terms of consistency you know you mentioned consistency of the, the communications um, it's such a simple thing but it is it's such a critical thing, and i I see when people get that wrong, it creates so much trouble and it 's very simple, but you know if you do monthly updates, that comes around pretty quick, and there 's preparation that goes into that um, mm-hmm. so it is a lot of work just to be able to publish consistently with good content uh, but it's it 's critical, and I think um, you know for anybody listening that 's out there raising capital or putting deals together don't uh, don't ignore that when when things get busy and crazy. Don't let the communication slip. You know, do whatever you need to do to be able to stay on top of that. Even if you're out running the property, you're doing all sort of other crazy stuff. You, you got to let your investors know what's, what's going on on a consistent basis. Um, I, I want to talk to you a little bit because I know there's some folks listening that are out there trying to get a first deal done and maybe they've got uh, some mentorship or they've invested as an LP. Now they, they want to go run a deal. And investor relations is always one of these big things, right? I mean, there's so many pieces to going out and taking down a 200-unit apartment complex. But when you're talking about raising a million or several million dollars, um, that's that's a big undertaking. What are some keys that you guys have found uh, as you've built your kind of the investor relations part of your business that have, that have helped you, you know, continue to be successful?
0: Yeah, it's such a fun topic, man. I mean, I think um, there was this exercise that we did. It was pretty early, Devin. Um, right after we got our first kind of you know, immediate first degree connections. If you want to think of a quick way to refer to them, like I'm big on LinkedIn. I I really try to do a daily post there. And so I always think about networking through that lens for some reason. Um, First degree connections. So colleagues, friends, family, those comprised the first wave of folks that worked with us in our deals. But once you kind of get those folks in the door, I noticed that a lot of people will go out just straight back into action you know like, like maybe someone was um, successful on their first deal and good on them my, my first deal was not that impressive frankly um but but we got there <laughs> so right. we, when you go out there you have your first deal first wave of investors they're hopefully happy it's time to go learn and 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 that that's what we uh set out to do so what we did was structured as nerdy as this sounds highly impactful we, we structured a 12 maybe 15 question uh interview and it's a no pitch thing. You know, I wasn't going out to people trying to figure out how they can get into a deal. I was trying to go out and learn about them more. Mm-hmm. And we went out to 60, maybe somewhere between 55 and 60 folks. Um, I interviewed them. And these were not the people necessarily that we'd already invested with. That was some of them. But it was mostly the profile. Like, like you know, we, we put down on paper, like a true profile, fictional person based on our current investors. Sure. That was closest definition to what we thought was our, pro, our target profile. And then I interviewed a bunch of folks that I knew in my second degree connections from LinkedIn. And we recorded the sessions with their permission. We took a bunch of notes, wanted to ask them questions, things like, what's your relationship with money? <laughs> as, as funny as that sounds, like how do you look at your wealth on a monthly basis? I mean, do you? Do you look at it every six months? Do you look at it every year? How do you look at it every year? Um, you know, does the, the phrase alternative assets even mean to you? You know, and the answers that we got back from that stuff, Devin, was fascinating. I mean, because we all assume people see the world somewhat similarly to ourselves. Sure. It's just something our brains do, right? Natural. Yep. my gosh, some of those answers were shocking. I mean, like we're, we're talking about a, a Google engineer, who I'll leave anonymous, who does incredibly well for himself, cash compensation and equity wise. And he says, I don't care about money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, I it, it's just a different side of the of, of the world and, and the business world. So that was a very helpful exercise, because um, there's a platitude that I took from the tech world that I try to apply to our business every day. And it's that you got to go slow to go fast, right? You know, and, and I, I do think that we took now we, we have our pedal to the metal, and, and we're, we're growing, we have a ton of interest, which I'm very thankful for, we feel very blessed every day for that. Um, but it was pretty hard fought, you know, early on, because we were just trying to learn how do we do this right? And how do we not? How do we take smart action? Not not just, uh, you know, brute force hard, hard action all all along.
1: Yeah, that's such a great point. I see folks going about it different ways in this business. And I think it's, there's more, um, you know, resources and connections and ability to go out and maybe make an offer and close a deal that you know, that that Piece of it, and putting the pieces together is maybe easier than it's ever been. But there's a whole lot that happens after that close to be able to do it right. And so, I think it's easy to go out and kind of brute force and try to grow a company. Um, and I see some of that not working out well for for some folks. Uh, they're just kind of going too fast. So, I, I like the concept of building the foundation, doing it right, because. Really, in, you know, in your, in your position, this is kind of a lifetime relationship business. It's not transactional in any way, shape, or form. And I think it's important for people to understand that, um, totally. you know, that, that you'd rather walk away from a deal a um, hundred times out of a hundred than get into something that you thought might compromise your, your investor trust, right? Totally. Um, well, let's, let's shift over to, to social media. Uh, I know you're, you're pretty active there and you, and you mentioned LinkedIn, um, you know, 2020 has kind of forced us all to, to be online maybe more than we were in previous years, which is a, a double edged sword. But I would love to hear about your, the genesis of kind of you doing the business on social media, I mean, on LinkedIn or other social media and how you've grown that and what, what's, what's worked well for you in that, in that arena.
0: Yeah, and a super fun topic, by the way. And I agree with the double-edged sword comment. You know, it's I, I miss I miss people. You know, <laughs> and yeah, I know okay. we we all do. I right. Mean, we're fresh on the heels of Thanksgiving uh, over Zoom, <laughs> so right. Um, so that said, social media is interesting beast for me specifically, Devin. Um, I'll tell people up front here, just transparently. Uh, you know, I am an introvert by default, and 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 the common misnomer about that out there, broadly, is that and being an introvert it does not mean I am shy. Um, what, what that means is that I draw energy from having some solace and solitude sometimes, and I need it more often than people that are extroverts. That, that, that's what it means to be an introvert and an extrovert. So that's important context, because uh, I find myself uh, really getting a good footing in this environment of social media, but I didn't want to become, like, I had someone call me an influencer the other day, and it kind of I, I didn't know how I felt about that. <laughs> I was like, not I'm a not a TikTok talking. girl, right?
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's yeah. Kind of conflated with, with all I, And that I didn't stuff. sign up for
0: that. You know, right. I, 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 it's not why I do it. I'm the guy who's over here just trying to, I'm literally doing all of this because I just want to be a great dad and a present husband. That's it. Love it. Yep. And, and so, so I, I, we're we're getting to the point where, you know, a few, few years back, we're like, how do we go and and widen our net? How, how do we go out and really, Get our message out to people and just target the right audience. So it comes back to that interview template, you know, and actually talking to our profile customers, um, uh, profile investors, we saw, okay, you know, they're they're typically going to be folks that are, you know, probably dual income, they're probably working at technology firms. We have a bunch of folks that work at Facebook and Netflix as examples, you know, like, like, there's qualities for that. And then we said, which social media network likely hits the, the, you know, checks the most boxes. And I I was managing my LinkedIn for the last 10 years pretty uniquely anyways, and I won't TMI on people, but I am that nerdy guy who literally only added people who he had met in the real world, and I did it for 10 years, Devin. Right. And So I had 2,000 people that I knew in the real world just basically sitting in this LinkedIn database, and I was like, well, most people think this is like a job searching site, so they treat it that way. I need to look at this differently if we're going to do anything like this. I wasn't going to go on Instagram. I disagree with people that say you have to be everywhere all the time. Sure, I, I, I just don't agree with that, full stop. I want to do one thing really well you know, on social media. So we went lean into LinkedIn um, and we defined like, how do we add value to people and write with authenticity? You know? So like, I, I can call myself a quote-unquote expert when it comes to things like personal development, leadership, um, and now I can also do so for, for aspects of real estate when it comes to the right asset classes that I know well multifamily as an example, talk about these things, you know, get conversations going and, and, and really focus less so on, on things like follower count because follower count, eh, it's kind of a vanity metric. Like what I would encourage people to go do is just try to use it as an extension of yourself, right? I mean, that's all it is. You're trying to make connections with people. So I wanna, I wanna figure out how do I invite them in to have meaningful interaction and dialogue and try to genuinely add value to people. And so that's what we've done and every day, a little, about a month ago, I hit a, uh, a milestone of posting one time per day, every day for a year. Outstanding. And, yeah. I mean, I was shocked that I was like, wow, that year went, it was, that was a fast, weird year. Um, but we got there and, you know, now we have a bunch of folks that regularly follow. And sometimes we get investors from that. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get great partners from that. So you don't really know what you're going to get from it, Devin. But I, I gave you probably a bit, little bit more on that question than you, than you asked for. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I love it. I love it. I think, um... Social media is an interesting facet of anybody's business. I think you hit the nail on the head of, of how to approach it. And I like that uh, you can create a lot of simplicity by focusing, right? Listen, you got your platform that you decided you're on and it could easily be somebody's full-time job to post on a bunch of platforms and literally do nothing else for their business. So I, I like that focus. Um, and clearly you've got a good demographic there, a good starting point. I went through something similar when I started my real estate company being coming from completely different industry. I was like, well, people are going to be curious that I'm into something completely different now, but over time was able to kind of build that up, you know, for the for the company and for what I do now. But um, good actionable tips there. I like that. If someone is, um, you know, I know you started much earlier in your life being exposed to real estate, but if there's somebody out there that is dipping their toe into water, uh, dipping their toe into water as a, as a, you know, commercial real estate investor, whether that's LP or maybe they want to go be a sponsor someday or an equity partner. What do you say that person that's kind of getting started um, on their journey? I'm sure you have conversations with people like that all the time. What, what is, you know, what is your advice to that person that's a little bit earlier in the, in the cycle of their investing journey?
0: Yeah. And and you're absolutely correct. You know, I think it's become a weekly thing multiple times a week now Uh, and it's a fun conversation. I really cherish them. You know, I'm sure you have them just as frequently if not more than so um, when folks reach out, you know, oftentimes I'll hear from a, a new prospective member of our investing group. We have a few hundred folks in our group and one of our current ones might refer them in and say, Hey, you should take a look at this thing. at this Madison investing group. And by the time that they chat with me on the phone for like an onboarding call, I've already taken a look at their experience, and usually it looks like this. It's like, wow, brilliant person, academically way more impressive than me, you know, with my Boulder, Colorado education um, and all my snowboarding. And, and, but they come in and they've got this incredible professional track record. They're very well capitalized and they know the equities and stock market very well. They've invested in 401k typically, they've invested heavily in index funds. Um, so, so they've done all these things that, frankly, I, I did too. For a very long time, and it was like our financial wealth plan um, for our family. And when I share with them like our journey, they find it pretty relatable because we bought local first. You know, we, we I went to Bigger Pockets and BiggerPockets.com, which I'm sure many people on here have heard of. If you haven't, go there first. I mean, I, I I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm sure they get a <laughs> lot of free press every day, but it was incredibly helpful for me, man. Um, and go on there devour the content. I, I did overdo it admittedly. I read 24 books, uh, listened to 400 podcasts, you know, I think your, yours was among them Devin, so like I went over the top. You don't have to go do what I did. Um, just start with bigger pockets, maybe go pick up a couple books, you know, and I'm always happy to share a list. I have just like a like a raw list if people ever want to reach out and ask me for it. I'm happy to give it to them in a Google Doc and just get a baseline education on the basics and, and because the most important step is Uh, choosing your strategy. And gosh, I don't know how much you see this, Devin. Um, I'm more and more convinced, uh, firmly convinced that that is the most under-addressed question and coaching topic in the real estate investing world. Because people will spend two years, literally two years running down the wrong strategy path, lose thousands of dollars and burn hundreds of hours of time And then they realized, oops, (laughs) I should have picked that other strategy. So I even, I posted about this kind of recently and people seem to have a good reaction on LinkedIn. It was about the boomerang investor. Um, And I just coined the term because we have at least half a dozen investors in our own group, by the way, who who they went off, I, I talked to them maybe two years ago and they said, oh, these syndications are interesting. And they said, yeah, but I can do this myself and the returns are going to be better if I just go and pull my own deal together. So it's been, it's been great connecting Spence. I'll, you know, I'll check back if and when it fits my profile, my investment criteria. They come back. They, they, they come back with great consistency because I want people to go become successful active investors, but they chose the wrong strategy. It turns out They should have maybe checked if they actually enjoyed spending their days in real estate first. Maybe, (laughs) (laughs) like every waking professional moment, talking about the asset, thinking about tenant-related issues. Yep. Uh, Yep. You know, like, do you want to go do all that? Oh, you don't know yet. Maybe you shouldn't bet your entire life pivot on an assumption. You know. So, so I'm not trying to be snarky for folks, but. Um, as recently, literally as this morning, about an hour ago, I was on a similar phone call with someone and he wasn't quite getting my very candid, very compassionate coaching and saying, I appreciate you asking me for advice and I'm trying to give it to you. You don't sound like you have an idea what you want to go do yet. So please don't go spend money on stuff and, please, and, and certainly please don't go buy anything yet. Um, yeah. Just slow down, take a pulse of what's happening out there. There's even a really great, by the way, last thing I'll say, great PDF document. I think that Pockets probably still has it. It goes through all the strategies and niches, and it just lists them out.
1: Yep, just yep. Read all in one thing. place. I've had so many of those conversations. Uh, we, you know, we do a syndication. The profile looks like this, and somebody says, "Well, you know, I can do this flip house, this rental house, and you're looking at a percentage return." And uh, I'm like, "Knock yourself out, you know, go for it." But you know, yeah. you're. When you're calling plumbers who didn't show up, I mean, you factor that in there, right? And it's you can't do an apples to apples percent return or average annualized return when you are the operator versus when you're not the operator because they're, they're totally different worlds. But uh, I like that. I think it gets real easy once somebody has invested the time to... To pick a stra a winning strategy, it gets easy to say no, which is kind of the key to a lot of things. Just say no, you got to say no to most stuff, and it can be so enticing in the very beginning because everything's so exciting. And you know uh, that Bigger Pockets resource is is probably a great way for people to start and just start weeding things out. You know, there's a hundred strategies you kind of have to pick one. And if you do well at that, maybe branch out into two, but you got to be able to say no to a lot of stuff. So I I love that. That is, that is
0: good. uh, Good takeaway there for sure. Cool. Yeah, totally agree by the way. I mean, I I would just want to, one last comment that you got me thinking about. I think if people are going to go out and have these conversations with folks about what they want to go do, you know, get that feedback, like bounce your plan off people you know, and, and, and bounce your plan off people who, you know, someone like Devin, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm always happy to take that phone call too, but be ready if it's not what you want to hear, because right. that, in that moment, that is the single most important thing you could be hearing in that moment. And it, it could, it could change, it could say like a life-changing piece of feedback. <laughs> and the problem is if you're closed-minded and you're not ready to receive it, you you could be in for a couple of years of pain. And so I want you to avoid that. I want you to have a wonderfully successful career in this stuff, but choose wisely. <laughs> That's
1: right. That's
0: right. I love it. Spencer, this
1: has been really great uh, insight, some actionable content for people to, to go there and improve their, their businesses around or get started. If somebody wants to connect with you and your company, what's a good way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, and uh, madisoninvesting.com is our website. And we have a passive investing program. Uh, we are only currently uh, accepting accredited investors, but we're happy to chat. Um, you will have to talk to me on a phone call. Uh, most people say it's actually a lot of fun. So, you know, <laughs> I promise I won't bite, but you can find us at madisoninvesting.com. Um, also, as we already chatted about a few times uh, on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm pretty active on there every day. And so feel free to, to connect with me. Don't just follow, just connect with me. Um, you know, I, I probably again, I probably won't bite. Um, and uh, happy to chat with folks.
1: Excellent. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening to this podcast, you can go right to the description, hit the URL and go to madisoninvesting.com. So go check it out. Spencer, really appreciate the time. It's great to connect. Thank you. Likewise, though. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.